Zoe, the Life of God, Part 22. Um, so we're going to wrap it up. We'll just pray and jump into it. Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your Word. Father, I thank You for a spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge of You and Your Word. Father, that You'd enlighten the eyes of our understanding. Give rhema to each individual here exactly what they need to hear. Father, answers to questions. Uh, answers to making uh, course corrections and decisions that we need to make in order that we can grab a hold of all the riches on our life that Jesus paid for us to have. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Go to the first one for me, Sean. 1 John 5 and verse 11. This is probably the last time we hit this verse for a while. You should know it by now. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, perpetual Zoe. And this life is in His Son. He's already given us the gift. It's ours. It's not when we get to heaven. We have it the second that we believe on Jesus because it is in His Son. Go to the next one for me. We saw that there's three kinds of life. Bios, suke, and zoe. Bios is natural life, plant life. It's temporary. It's your body. Suke is your mind, will, and emotions. It's the soul. It's immortal. It doesn't cease to exist, but it is what it is. Zoe is the one we've been working on. Is the life of God. It's eternal. It's perpetual. Instantly and constantly renewed. It resides in your spirit. This is the part of you now why you live. It's not your heart beating and your lungs breathing. It isn't eating, drinking, sleeping, or pooping, right? It is the same life that's in the Father is in you. Go to the next one. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 10. I love this verse. Love it. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life, the Zoe also of Jesus, might be made manifest where? In our body. Right here, right now. And that's the whole thing is what we've been trying to do is move ourselves from the might not have it category to the might have it. I want it. it this says it's, it belongs to us and we can have it and we've been working on how do I get it. Go to the next one. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 2. This is how we get it. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. According to His divine, the Godhead's power, he has already given to us all things that pertain to life, zoe, and godliness, being just like Him, through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. You know, He has called you to glory. Do you remember what glory is? Wealth, power, entourage, commerce. Right? You all remember that? Wisdom. He's called you to that. That's His invitation to you. Come on up here and be wealthy. Have an entourage. Be involved in commerce, moving wealth around and creating it. And the next one, he said, he's called us to virtue, which is the word valor. He's called you to be bold enough to believe that you can do it. Whereby are given unto us these exceeding great and precious promises, that by these we might be partakers <clears throat> of the divine nature, equal partners of the Godhead, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, besides these great promises, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, virtue knowledge, knowledge temperance, Temperance, patience, patience, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness, charity, or agape, love. For if these nine things be in you and they abound, they make you that you'll neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and he has forgotten that he's been purged from old sins. So if you don't do these nine things, you'll forget in half a heartbeat that you're an equal partner with the Godhead. And that's if you even believed it on the front end you'll forget it if you don't stick with these nine things. And that really is the key to having the life of Jesus be made man manifest or laid naked in our body. Didn't you know that Jesus believed that He was an equal partner with the Godhead, didn't He? Yeah. In order to have the life that Jesus had, we got to believe the same thing about ourselves that Jesus believed about Himself. 
that you're an equal partner with the Godhead. He said he didn't think it was robbery to be equal with God. They picked up stones to throw it at him. They'd probably do the same thing to you. But could they kill him? And they can't kill you either. Amen. Hallelujah. That's so good, Andrew. Amen. Right, verse 10. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, giving diligence to make your calling and election sure, because if you do these things, you'll never fall. You'll never fail, and you won't stumble. For thus, through these nine things, shall be richly supplied unto you the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and you be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it is me to write, as long as I'm in this tabernacle or body, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. I mean, if these nine things are the things that keeps us on track to remember that we're an equal partner with the Godhead, we ought to stir ourselves up and put us in remembrance always of doing these nine things. But we're going to get, them off, get off them next week. You got, you know, you're going to have to put yourself in remembrance of these because you'll forget them. Right? If we even know them. If we don't know them after six months, we've got, we got issues. Right? <laughs> Go to the next one for me, Sean. He said, and besides this, giving all, let's see if we know the nine things. They're up there. You could, don't look. Look down or to see if you can do them. <laughs> giving all diligence. Right? Add to your faith. What? Virtue or valor. Valor what? Knowledge. Knowledge. Temperance. That's your self-control. Temperance. Patience. Quality that refuses to give up. Patience. Brotherly. Oh, wait. No. I got you off. Godliness. Being just like God, that's the one he don't have to do. Then what? Brotherly kindness. And then the last one is agape or love. Right. That's what we're going to work on today, agape. We've been through all the other eight, and now we're going to hit nine. Right? And this is really, if you look at number nine, agape, it really is all the other eight culminating mixed up together. It really, you'll see the elements of all the other eight in number nine. Well, look, now there's four, just like there's three kinds of life, right? Three Greek words for life. There's four kinds of love. Okay, go to the next one for me, John. Four kinds of love. There's eros, which is romantic love. Right, I changed it. I first put up there, you know, sensual desire. Kimmy's like, ooh, sensual desire. Well, let's not put that in church. Let's go romantic love. Right, eros, where we get the word erotic, right? Whoa, we're talking about that. I'm just telling you what the Greek words are. Relax. Right? Storge, which is mother-daughter affection, mother-daughter love, storge. Phileo, which is the beginning of Philadelphia. It means friendship or fondness. And then agape, which is to hold, literally means in the Greek, to hold in the highest regard. It means you esteem them in the highest regard, whoever that you agape. Now, phileo and agape are the only two of these Greek words that are used in the New Testament. They don't talk about eros, and they don't talk about storge. Because, how you know, those two things, that's pretty much, that's natural. Isn't it? Romantic love, that happens to anybody at any time. You can't help it if you fall into the middle of it. It's just natural. Mother-daughter love, that's natural, isn't it? Or mother-son. It's a family, a natural affection for family. That's natural, right? But friendship and fondness, right, you've you got to show yourself friendly if you want to have friends. I mean, there's, a, there's people out there that naturally they don't have friends because they don't ha- practice phileo, right? Do all, I mean, think in your mind there's people that just have no friends. It's because they have no phileo. If you want friends, you've got to be a friend. If you've got no friends, chances are you ain't a friend. It's not natural. You've got to actually, because for your friend, you've got to actually do stuff. What's, what's that Radio Shack commercial, do stuff? Don't just, you know, buy the gift, but do stuff with all those electronics? The same thing with a friend. You just can't be a friend. You've got to do stuff. And agape takes it up to the highest level. Is where you hold somebody in the highest regard. The high, you make them their 
your, their favorite. Favorite. Now, a couple things that we've already seen this, but I want to look at it again. At James chapter 4. You know what? To stop right, well, you know John 3.16, right? Mm-hmm. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, right? That whosoever should believe on Him should not perish but have everlasting or eternal perpetual zeal. Right? So, when, God, when the Bible talks about loving the world, you understand that God does not love the stuff of the world, right? You think God's in love like with even Ferraris? No, He's got better ones. The best thing that they got on the planet, God's got better. So He ain't talking about the stuff that's in the world. Right? You think he's like in love with gold? No, he's got it everywhere. Even the plumbing, the S-bends, right? In heaven are made out of gold. So he ain't worried about, he ain't loving the gold. He's loving the people, right? Do you understand that? For God so loved the people of the world that he gave Jesus. Isn't that, I mean, you understand that, right? Okay, so look here in James chapter 4, in verse 4. He said, you adulterers and adulteresses, know you not that friendship or phileo of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend, right, have phileo, for the world is the enemy of God. So he tells you, now he's talking about, you know, for God so loved the world, he's talking about the people. He tells you the same way. He said, don't love, don't have phileo for the world. Y'all see that? So don't be fond of the world. And he's talking about the people in the world. I'm not talking about the things. Because I like Ferraris and I like gold. I'd like to be a friend of gold. Wouldn't you? Sure, he's not telling you not that. He says, don't be a friend of the world and don't get actively involved in a friendship relationship with somebody of the world. God loved the world. He agape the world. It ain't your job to be friends with them. Now, we saw this scripture too, a couple pages over to 1 John chapter 2. In verse 15, it says, Agape, or love not, agape not, love not the world. It's talking about the people of the world, in case you didn't know that. He says, and don't, neither, don't do this one either, the things that are in the world. That means I can't make gold my favorite. I can't make the Ferrari my favorite. I can have a phileo relationship with them though. Do you all see the difference? You can like and have a, a fondness for the stuff of the world, but you can't make them your favorite. And you can't make people of the world your favorite. Do you see this? Now look over here in John chapter 21. And we've taught on this before. We'll just start in verse 15 because I don't have time to go through the whole story. But it's after Jesus raised from the dead. He shows himself to the disciples. Peter quits being a disciple or apostle and he goes back to fishing. And so they're out fishing all night. And so Jesus yells from the shore. They don't know it's him. He said, let your net down. They didn't catch nothing. They let their net down and they get this huge haul. And that's when they go, hey, it's Jesus. Right? Because this happened before. They are having a flashback to the early days. So in verse 15 of John chapter 21, so, so when they had dined, so Jesus made them, you know, uh, breakfast. When they had dined, Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas. So, you know, he nails it down to exactly who you are. He, he says, Simon. And then he says what his daddy's name is, so you know who he's talking to. He said, agape, love us, agape you mean more than these? And he said unto him, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. I'm fond of you. In the English, it just says loved and loved. He said, do you agape me? Am I your favorite? Do you hold me in the highest regard? And Peter said, hey, you know, I'm, you know, you and me, we're like frat brothers. I'd give you the shirt off my back. We're buddies. Yeah, you know, I lo- yeah, you know I'm fond of you. In verse 16, he said unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, agape you me? Do you love me? Do you hold me in the highest regard? Am I your favorite? 
And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. I, oh, I'm fond of you. You know I'm fond of you. And again, a second time, he does not say to Jesus, you're my favorite. He says, you're my friend. We have a great relationship, Jesus. I give you the shirt off my back, but I don't agape you. And he said, feed my sheep. And in verse 17, Jesus said to him a third time. He asked him a third time. He said, Simon, son of Jonas. Now he doesn't say agape. He said, phileo me. You're fond of me. Are you fond of me, Peter? And then it said that Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, phileo me. Are you fond of me? And he said, he said, Lord, you know all things and you know that I phileo you. Wasn't his favorite. Jesus wasn't Peter's favorite at this time. So you see the difference between phileo and a guy. I want you to see the difference because we talked about phileo and brotherly kindness last week. Brotherly kindness, is, you, you have to have it. It's one of the eight. But number nine means that I make you my favorite. You can't waste that on anybody that's outside the covenant. And be very careful who you waste it on inside the covenant. Alright? Do you all kind of understand the difference now between phileo and agape? Brotherly love and agape. Because it says that God is agape, right? And that we need to walk in agape. Now, if you think that agape is brotherly kindness... Somebody needs a hug and being affectionate. Remember we said last week it really come down to giving money and giving of your, your bios to somebody else. If you think that that's agape, you can't do that to everybody in the covenant. You don't have enough resources. You don't have enough time. You cannot do it. Can you? Would God ever tell you to do something you couldn't do? But see, Christianity has tried to shackle us. Religious Christianity is trying to put us in bondage saying that if we don't walk in love and do that and they've mixed phileo up with agape... It's impossible for you to... And so they go, your faith can't work if you're not walking in love. And their idea of walking in love is really brotherly kindness. And we saw last week that don't waste your brotherly kindness, that you need to spend it on people of the household of faith first. And not anybody outside the covenant. You cannot walk in love, or uh, brotherly love to everybody in the world. you understand that? You can't walk in brotherly love to everybody in the covenant. Can you? So God wouldn't tell you... He wouldn't tell you... See, if you, don't, if you don't have in your mind that they're two different things and that you understand that agape is not that, oh, you know, warm, cushy, I turn the other cheek and I'll do what you just walk all over me, kind of does somebody need a hug, which has been taught. If you don't understand that that's not what it is, you have no shot at pulling this thing off. Because what it is, is you'll always think that you came up short. Do you know why ministers don't teach that? Because they always have an out then. If it didn't work, if you giving me money, you didn't get rich off of you giving me money. It must be because your faith ain't working and because you must not be walking in quote, quote, love to somebody because, you know, faith works by love. It gives the minister an out the way it's been taught. Y'all, y'all understand? Have you all been a victim of that kind of teaching or mentality? Yeah, religious Christianity has done that since, 17, uh, since like 317 A.D. when Constantine took over. He started that. Started the manipulation using the the manipulation of the power of the pulpit and the manipulation of the word. And the word says, don't, don't buy into that. It's a lie. So we're going to talk. I'm going to teach you exactly. Now look, the Greek means agape is to hold in the highest regard. Let me know, I like to look at the Bible and see how God defines the terms that He uses. Because God defines what agape is in His mind, not in ours. See, that's the mind of the dictionary. The Greek. I want to know what... What in his mind it is. If you turn to 1 Corinthians 13, Sean, go to the next one. 
See that big long list up there on that slide? That, that's how God defines agape. And that's a whole lot different than just make somebody your favorite, ain't it? It looks like it's a lot more detailed. But I want to go to 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. Right? And this is the chapter that all those ministers were using. And if they, didn't, they never explained to you the difference between brotherly kindness or brother of Philadelphia or phileo and agape. They, don't ever teach, they say it's agape, but what they've been teaching you is not agape. And I'm going to tell you what agape is. And when you start to understand, the light will go on. And then you can understand why your faith can work while you're in agape. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 1. Could you tell? this? I'm serious about this, right? I mean, I'm passionate about this because this has been... This one issue has literally robbed the church of, of riches, honor, and life. More than, and, and, and prosperity ministers, people that were my mentors, they never got it right. And all they'd have to do is read their Bible. Verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, and I don't have agape, in the King James it says charity, which is also the same word that was in our list Right? Of nine things. Peter called, they translated it charity. It's the word agape. If I don't have agape, I become as sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. You're just clanging pots and pans. If you don't have agape, I don't care what gifts of the Spirit you move in, you're just uh, pots and pans clanging in the kitchen. He said, no, I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all mysteries. That's the interpretation of tongues. And I have all knowledge. That's science. If you knew everything on the planet, and even though you had all faith that you could move mountains and you don't have agape... You're zip, zilch, not. He said, I'm nothing. So he's putting this pretty high, this is a pretty big deal. Right? He said, though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and don't have agape, it profits me what? Nothing. See, because a lot of people think, so you think if you give everything up to the poor and you sacrificed yourself, that's walking in love. According to this verse, that ain't walking in love. It can't be. Because you could do it and still not be in love. Did you see that? And it will profit you what? Nothing. Nothing. So don't give your stuff away to the poor and don't sacrifice yourself and throw yourself on a grenade for the team because if you don't have agape, it's still going to profit you nothing. This is why good people die. This is why good people are in poverty. This is why good people don't have victory. Because they're doing a good thing, isn't it? But they don't have agape and no one ever taught them what it was so it doesn't profit them anything. So you're standing there at the end of the day and all mankind will go, oh, wasn't that noble? And I'll remember it until the next commercial break, what you did, and move on. And go, I'd never do that. That's why I never got in the ministry to, when I, because I saw my mom and dad have nothing their whole life. And I thought, if that's what being in the ministry is, I don't want that God. I don't want my kids being raised the way I was with nothing. Secondhand underwear, etc., etc. They did the best that they could, but could they have done better? Yep, they could have read their Bible. I'm not slamming them, but don't you make the same mistake for your kids. He said, verse number 4. He tells you exactly now what agape is. Agape suffers long. That's what the King James says. Let's go a little deeper and find out what the Greek says. It says in the Greek, and you look up every one of these words on esword.net to know that I ain't making it up. Agape endures bravely. The very first thing that you know that God says, if you want to walk in agape, you want to walk in love, then you endure whatever comes down the pike bravely. That means you ain't sniveling, whining, or crying. You endure bravely. If you're not enduring bravely, you ain't walking in agape. And is kind. Did it say it is nice? No, kind. The word kind in the Greek means useful. Useful. Do you know, I would be nice to my kids to let them do whatever they want. That's not useful. Useful is that I set down boundaries and then I keep them inside the boundaries. 
Do you see the difference? Now, it's not nice sometimes. I know because when I have to enforce the boundary, they don't like it on the front end. But I always tell them, hate me on the back end. You'll like it later in life. Agape envies not, and an agape vaunts not itself and is not puffed up. So what it is, is I'm not in competition with anybody. I don't want your stuff, and I'm not jealous of your stuff, and I don't really care about how good you're doing. And you know what? I don't care if I'm not doing as good as you, and also I don't look at you and say I'm doing better than you. Now, the example that I use for this is when I run, I end up getting out of love pretty quick if there's somebody else out there. Because either I pass them, and then I'm feeling good, like I'm better than you, and then the other day, like an 80-year-old grandma passed me. And I was not feeling very good. She wasn't 80, but I, she was older than me. And she just went right past me, and I was like, oh. well, I feel, you know, you, guys, have you ever used a girl weight in the gym? Right, you get done, you're doing your curls, and then a girl like Karen comes over and picks them up. Right, you know, then you'd be like, wow, that's why I like the home gym. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't walk in love when I'm at the gym, because I'll either, either puff myself up or I'll feel like I'm envious. I'm like, wow, I, I can never be like that guy. That don't do that because that's not walking in love. If you find yourself in either of those spots, that ain't agape. Don't make anybody's not better than you, and you ain't worse than anybody, but you ain't better than them either. Do you understand? In who? In the covenant. Remember, you shouldn't even be t- wasting your time with anybody in the world. We've, we laid that out at the beginning, right? All right. So if they ain't in the world, it's beneath you to even consider where they're at. If they're not in covenant, it doesn't matter what it looks like. They, they don't even. Would it be beneath God to get in competition with somebody? What was that? What was that movie with uh, David Spade when they came back and they were old kids, old guys, and they played little league again because they were the dropouts? Y'all remember that Bench Warmers? I think it was called. And then there, and there's three three older guys in their twenties are playing against eight year olds. Right? That'd be like God being in competition with somebody, right? That's like you being in competition with somebody. It's beneath you to compete with somebody. You're better than them. And if you're in the covenant with them, you're equal with them. You're an equal partner with the Godhead. What are you competing for? Y'all following that? Okay. This is agape. We're talking about love. Now look at this next one. He says, it does not, verse 5, behave itself unseemly. That's the word improperly. It doesn't behave improperly. I don't act improperly. Now, see, on the, in our kind of mind, you kind of think of like the kid just going nuts, you know, running with scissors. Right, acting improperly or making noise in the library. That's improper behavior. Right, or smacking his lips at the table. That ain't what it's talking about. The best example that I could come up with of acting improperly is I had a tenant one time, and they were Christians on staff at a big church here in town, and they didn't pay their rent. And then they accused me of not walking in love because I didn't let them not pay their rent. Now, now religiously I should have been, oh yeah, you're a minister of the government. So am I. Right? That's what the card they're trying to play. You ever had that played on you? The what church do you go to card? Right? Yeah. Mike had that played on him earlier this week. The what church do you go to card. Somebody trying to get something for nothing. And that's usually the card they play when they're trying to get something for nothing. It, that's improper behavior. And for me to go along with that would be encouraging improper behavior. Now, you know, it's improper to my kids and my wife if I don't get the rent money from them because now I'm taking their food money and giving it to these people that don't want to work. This is agape. Y'all follow that? Don't you be manipulated by the what church you go to card or that ain't walking. Oh, where's your Christian love? My Christian love is right here. You're acting improperly and agape says you don't act improperly. You're not walking in love. How do you like me now? Better or worse? Michaela says, worser. (laughs) Worser. Do y'all follow this? This is is because they're going to play on that card. 
Have you, I mean, you all know what I'm talking about. Don't buy it because they're acting improperly. You ain't, they're not walking in love. You are. Don't you allow them to walk, act improperly either towards you. They can do it to anybody. They go, you know what? But anybody that's you and your household of faith, that's the local body, we ain't putting up with that. And it's usually somebody in the covenant that's trying to do it to you. The world knows better. Now, amen. That's so good, Andrew. It seeks not its own and is not easily provoked. Now, again, in the King James, that thinks that we don't get angry fast or we don't get angry at all. It really says in the Greek that you're not easily stirred up or emotional. Now, here's how I know you're... You know what walking in love really helps? is when, like, those guys get on TV that are ministers and tell you if you give me a $1,000 seed, you're going to get rich, and they stir you up emotionally to give the seed. That's not walking in love. And if you fall for it, you ain't walking in love. Now, could you see how your faith wouldn't work? Because if you get emotionally, you get the buttons pushed, it ain't going to work. God says that, that faith works by agape. And if you get emotionally stirred up about something and you make a decision based on that, it ain't going to work. It's not faith because it ain't agape. Y'all following this? So if somebody stirs you up emotionally, you better stop the tape right there and take a 10-minute time out and be like, I ain't doing it. And I don't care what the pressure is. You could be in a pressure cooker, right? And everybody will be pressuring you to do something. Don't do it. Don't get stirred up. Hold your ground. Amen. Now you're walking in love. And I guarantee you, not me, the Word guarantees that your faith will work. You win. Don't get easily stirred up. I don't care how good the plan looks. Right? If it's all emotional and it's playing on your... You know if you're getting emotionally worked, don't you? Yeah. Now look at this next one. It says, it thinks no evil. Now we got to... That word thinks means takes inventory of. Now you know what the evil list is, right? Adversity, affliction, calamity, harm, heaviness, great grief, right? Trouble, wrong, right? He says, don't take inventory of that in your life. If you're in the cabinet looking around for a six-pack of evil, right? I don't have enough worry in there. I better go to the store and get some more. You ain't walking in love, right? Don't take inventory of evil in your life. So if you wouldn't take inventory of evil, what would you take inventory of? Good. See, this is how you stay walking in love. Because, And again, remember with patience, recalling past victories, if you go into your cabinet of your past and you start taking inventory of all the victories and all the good, you're finding another way to stay in the fight longer. If you go in there and you take inventory of all the junk, right? What are you gonna, you're going to talk yourself right out of even getting in the, back in the fight at all. This is walking in love. You go back, open up, take inventory of the good stuff in your life. Good, good, good. Now look in verse 6. It rejoices not in iniquity. Now, do you, iniquity is really, let me, let me repronounce it for you, so that you kind of, inequity. It's the opposite of equity. Iniquity is the opposite of equity. Equity, what's God's equity? Riches, honor, and life. Inequity is lack, sickness, shame, right? That's what iniquity is. When you see iniquity in your Bible, and if you look it up in the Greek, it's actually the word unrighteous, which is the opposite of righteous or equity. So if you see iniquity, see, when you see iniquity, you think lying, cussing, cheating, smoking, dope, you know, all the, what's the bad checklist? Cuss, drink, smoke, chew, go, all those. That's what you think iniquity, isn't it? It's not. It means that you're in, in equity. You're the opposite of equity. He said, you don't rejoice that you don't have equity. Now listen, because a lot of people tell you, be content with such things as you have. And everything give thanks. Praise Jesus. I'm just a worm in it, holding on and pressing on. 
suffering for the Lord. Now, you ain't in agape. Because agape tells me that you don't rejoice and you ain't got nothing. I'm just reading the Bible. And, and this is God's definition of agape. And faith works by agape. So you cannot be happy or excited that you got zip. Do you understand? Okay. But it rejoices in the truth. And when Jesus said, Father, sanctify them with your truth, and your word is truth. So everything that's in here that's promised to you, you should get happy about. Like being an equal partner with the Godhead, like riches, honor, and life, like divine health and healing, good relationships, my kids will be blessed, my kids' kids will be blessed, I'll give a big inheritance to them. That's the truth. I should be rejoicing in that. I don't see too much rejoicing in that. In the covenant, in the body of Christ, not too much. In fact, it's almost heresy if you get excited about all the good stuff that He promises you. Unless you say that I'll get it when I get to heaven. You can rejoice about it then. But not now. you got to suffer. And if you ain't suffering, you ain't holy. And we wrap holy in with righteous too. And we make it all one thing. Now look at verse 7. It bears all things. Now that doesn't sound like what? That sounds like I'm under a big burden, doesn't it? Bears all things. But the Greek says that you shield against anything that threatens. You bear up. And you shield against anything that threatens. When I was at Capitol Police, right? And I was working for... Dignitary protection. One of the first things they teach you in protection agent school is that you expand your body if a bullet comes and you shield the protectee with your body. You expand it to the highest volume. That means you fill your lungs with air and you, and you, and you butterfly out as big as you can be to stop the threat. As big as you can make your body, that's what you do. That's what this is talking about. You shield from anything that threatens. Who do we shield? Do we shield anybody in the world from it? No, because we don't agape the world. People in the covenant. And not just people in the covenant, but chiefly, firstly, remember Galatians 6.10, the first place that we do it is in the household of faith. So I shield, this is our job, is to shield one another from anything that threatens. Anything that threatens you, my responsibility is to throw myself in the middle of and I stop the threat. Doesn't sound like turn the other cheek to me. Does it to you? doesn't sound like I better check my WWJD bracelet and then go cry and go, God, I can't believe that happened. Oh, how did that happen? No, you know what? Because you need to be fitly joined with a bunch of people that when they see each other threaten, we stop it. Amen. We don't lose houses. We don't die. We don't get sick. We don't get sued. If you sue one, you sue all of us. You come after one, you come after all of us. Amen. Did you? That's agape. I don't see that too much in the body of Christ. In fact, I don't see ministers that ministers should be doing it over their flock. They're not. People are dying and getting sick and they just go, oh, we don't want to give them false hope. You ain't walking in love. Dirt. You know, dude, I just need to get away from you. If your pastor ain't doing that, run. And if they're not creating a culture, and I know we're not, but anybody on the internet, but I'll tell you what, take inventory of are the people you're hooked up with, not just with the pastor, but the people you're sitting next to, will they shield you from something that threatens? Usually those people are sticking the knife in through the back of the pew into you. It's the truth. Stick it to the... Yeah! And then be, be blessed. Right? Peace be with you. And with you. Oh, i got to go to the hospital now. See, this is, this is a huge thing about agape. Then look at the next thing. It says it believes all things, or that's the word faith, to have faith in all things. That means no matter what happens, I know that God has got my back. 
Because faith is absolute trust in another, and I said it should be God. You all remember that, right? So no matter what happens, I have absolute trust that God's going to show up. Reference Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire. Reference, right, Daniel in the lion's den. Reference Moses and all the Israelites getting bared down on the Egypt and they go through the Red Sea. Reference ad nauseum. Look in Hebrews 11. Right? And then it says it hopes all things. And hope is the word confidence. You all remember that? So you have confidence that God's going to show up. No matter what the circumstances is, your confidence is or whatever. You ain't in that beggarly mode. Listen, you're the head and not the tail. You've got to act like you're the head before you're actually the head in your mind. If you're that, look, God said you're the head. That don't mean it doesn't, well, when I have all the money and I'm in the power position. No, you're in the power position now because God said you are. If it doesn't look like it, walk in agape and be confident. Act like you is anyway. Because if it walks like a duck, right? It, right, if you walk like you're the head, then you are the head. And then it says it endures all things. And you know what that word is? Patience. It refuses to give up and no matter what. Now you're walking in love. Walking in love. Do you see how all these elements of the first eight are kind of wrapped up in here? You can see parts of it all in here. He said, now look at this next. I love this next thing. He said, agape never fails. And if Cheryl was writing it, instead of Paul, it would say, never, never, never fails. Throw some extra nevers in there. But it never fails. Ever. Not no, I mean never's a long time. That's a pretty big statement. But if you're walking in love, absolutely no shot at failing. He didn't say walking in phileo or that somebody needs a hug junk. That that the body of Christ and ministers have been preaching to you is agape. It ain't. That you know, that flowery manby pamby Jesus wore, you know, Birkenstocks and a toga, you know. Brother love, brother love, oh look, and pat rose petals and all. No. Do you see the difference? If you do that, you won't fail. Absolutely, positively, won't fail. Now, let's look at the opposite of this because you know that's what we do. Go to the next one for me, Sean. Here's the opposite, of, the opposite side of the coin because sometimes we can locate ourselves better on the other end of it. Buckles with cowardice. If you buckle under the pressure and you run away, what was that, you know, with the... Uh, Run away, run away. Oh, what was that? Uh, Holy Grail, I think it was. Monty Python, right? you got to watch movies to be in this church. I'm trying to put it in a thing that makes sense to us. Yeah. All right. So, anyway. If you run away because you're scared or you buckle under the pressure, you're not walking in love. Okay? Do you understand? If you buckle, you're done. You're not walking in love. And you will fail. And then the opposite of that is useless and worthless. Because remember, kind and useful, let me put it to you this way. If you're not, worthless is, if you're not adding worth to somebody, you're worthless. Or you're less than worth. If you're not adding worth to another person's life. Listen, does God, now listen, God is love and He loves, does He adding worth to your life? Does God add worth to your life? Yes. Now to walk in love, you need to add worth to somebody else's life, and that ain't being nice necessarily. In order to add worth, and boy, if you've been around here long enough, you know that I'm doing really good at this, because I'm not nice, but I add worth to your life, and I'm very useful to you, and I'm not afraid to say the hard thing. That's, that's walking in love. The world calls it tough love. It ain't tough love. It's a God kind of love. It's agape. Why? Because I'm adding worth to you. So don't be afraid, right? Because now that wouldn't be walking in love if we told somebody you know, where they're messing up, would it? Not according to the way it's taught in church. 
Look, don't be afraid to tell somebody they got spinach in their teeth. That's walking in love. Don't be afraid to tell them, hey, your fly's down. You know, and your shirt tail's sticking out. Or, if you don't love them, let them walk around like that all day. <laughs> with the thing in their teeth. Right? Do y'all follow this? Right? So if you're competing, the next thing is competing with others. If you're in competition with anybody, you ain't walking in love. And again, if you find yourself that you cannot help but compete, then don't involve yourself in that activity. That's why I don't run with people. I don't work out with people because I automatically, it's built into me, especially from the Marine Corps, that I've got to be better than you and my worth is diminished if you're better than me. That ain't walking in love. My worth doesn't come from my performance. Oh, let's stop right there for a minute. My worth doesn't come from my performance. And if you're competing with somebody, you're basing your worth on your performance. You understand that your performance don't really matter. It's Jesus' performance that made you perfect. That you're worthy now because of what Jesus did, not because of what you did. So don't compete with anybody. Your worth don't come from whether you perform or not perform. If you're acting improperly, don't be the person that's saying, you know, well, where's your Christian love and getting something for free? Don't be that person, okay? You ain't walking in love. I know nobody's in here, does We don't have that culture around here. It's not easily stirred up or emotional. If you get stirred up easily, you ain't walking in love. So if you find yourself getting stirred up or having a mood swing or whatever, put the brakes on, right? And here's an example of that uh, over Thanksgiving with you know, the whole highway shut down and we were parking lot for two hours. And Kimmy said, boy, a couple years ago, you would have been going nuts in here. <laughs> but I didn't. I was like, eh, whatever. You know why? Because I'm not easily stirred up now. Well, what happened? I just, it's a natural part of growing up. Right? Remember being a full grown son? As you grow up, you'll be less and less stirred up. It's automatic. You know, you don't have to try not to be stirred up. What you do is grow up spiritually and you won't be as easily stirred up. Alright? Takes inventory of evil. If you do, if you're checking to see if you have that six pack of worry in there, or we need a keg, you know, we've got a party coming up, better go get a couple party balls of worry. Right? If you're doing that, you stop. You ain't walking in love. Allows others to be threatened. Uh oh. Right? This is what we just talked about. If you're one that'll step aside and go, now look, when I was with, uh, I won't say who it was, but my mom said, you can't, if you get that person, I'm just going to disown you or whatever. You protect that person at Capitol Police. And of course, I got that person. Right? So if I was one of these people that didn't walk in love, here come a bullet. Instead of expanding my body, I'd be like, oh, look, a penny. Oh, oops. That ain't walking in love. Oh, look, someone left a cigarette butt on the ground. Oh, my. Oh, you okay? Ooh, you're bleeding out. Right? That's not walking in love. Alright? If you let somebody, if you let one go past you, and you could have stopped it. Alright, now look, this is what Christians, ha- this is what we do. Like someone will get sick, right? Or they'll go through a divorce, or they'll get cancer, or something, or you know, they'll lose their house, and what do Christians do? They'll be like, oh, look, a penny. Anything to look you in the eye, somebody's gone through something, because we don't know what to say to them, and I don't want to get involved, and so we just, you know, oh, look, a penny, and let them still deal with their stuff. We don't do that around here. We don't go, oh, look, a penny and a cigarette. No, we don't. What we go is, you're getting threatened? No, no, we'll stand right here with you and we get in the line, right? Phalanx, shoulder to shoulder, lock shields as one. We ain't putting up with that. This is walking in love. It ain't, a, it ain't about an individual. It's about us together. That's walking in love. We don't waste that on anybody that's outside. Look, remember that, that, that video clip that we did a couple weeks ago with Gladiator and they were in the middle of the Coliseum and he said, come together and if we stay together, we'll survive. And there was like five guys that were outside the circle because they were doing their own thing. Guess what? They didn't survive. They all died. Everybody that was in the circle, they survived. So it wasn't that they hated those people out there. Look, come in the circle, you'll be safe. 
But we don't risk one or two of us going out there to, you know, oh, look, everybody come together. If you don't want to come together, when you die, I'll be like, man, that's a shame, but I'm not breaking ranks over here and leaving the people that are in the circle open. This is walking in love. Y'all following that? Okay. All right, now, is fearful, is timid, and cuts and runs. If you're fearful, that's full of fear. It doesn't mean you don't have any. It means that's what's in the driver's seat. If you're afraid, you ain't walking in love. If you're timid, because that's timid is the opposite of being confident, isn't it? Like, if I'm confident, I'm not timid. If I'm like, well, you know, I don't, you know, uh, I hate to bother you, but do you think, and then, you know, and start out with the weakest position in the negotiation instead of as the head, like, this is what you're going to give me? Like, here's an example. Somebody want to sell their house in the covenant, and someone will tell them, you couldn't get that for your house, so they lowball the price. That's timid. Because if you're confident, my covenant works, and what I say, I have what I say, because I'm a king, and the word, you know, the king, uh, king's words have power, then I'm going to put it over. Now, Kimmy and I did this when we moved down here. I put my house on the market. I only had it in, in Bowie, Maryland, for nine months. We bought it for 200000 and we put it on the market for 300000 in nine months. The guy's like, you're crazy. I'm like, I don't have to sell it. Do you, well, let's do it at like two twenty-five. You know, that's a good, you know, you should, no. Did we get three hundred? No, we got three eighty-nine. But if we put it at two twenty-five, well, I definitely definitely wouldn't have got two eighty-nine. It was two eighty. I definitely wouldn't have got that. Do you see? So we're always kind of backing off. If you are, you're not walking in love. Don't be timid about what's yours. And the pressure of the world will be like, well, I can't believe you're asking that. And then if then then they're not getting anywhere, then they'll pull the where do you go to church card if they don't get anywhere with you. Don't fall for that. They ask you, tell them you're Muslim. Where, where do you go to church? <laughs> right? And then see where it goes. Yeah. God will be laughing too. Don't worry. It's funny. Right? He will. So then look, cuts and runs. If you cut and run, if you leave me in a fight, you ain't walking in love. If you leave anybody else in a fight, you ain't walking in love. When I was a cop, this is how I'd decide whether you're a good cop or not a good cop. Do I want you as a partner or somebody who'll leave me in a fight? I don't care if you've got donut junk all down your powdered sugar on your uniform and you look like a bag of trash. If we're in a fight and you won't leave me, you be right with me. You're my partner. And if you look really good and you're spiffy and you know, you're all squared away in spit shine boots, but you'll run at the first sign of trouble and you'll cut and run on me, I don't want you around me. What I want is somebody that won't cut and run on me. And this is walking in love. God's looking for Because will God cut and run on you? No. no. He don't want you cutting. Now, listen. You shouldn't even have been. That's why he says, be careful who you yoke up with. Because you're not supposed to cut and run. If you yoke up with somebody, you need to cut and run from them. See, this, you'll be like, well, I'm not supposed to cut and run. No, you shouldn't even have been there in the first place. So you cut and run real quick from that deal. When you get fitly joined and where you're supposed to be, then we don't cut and run. If you ain't where you're supposed to be, Run! Because you know, I don't want you to be like, well, Andrew said don't cut and run. And if you're in a mess, then cut and run. Amen. Did you, and here's another, I don't know if there's anybody in here, but God, God's the one that thought up divorce. Because people were dumb, would get into covenant with somebody they shouldn't have gotten covenant with, and he had to make a way for them to be able to cut and run. I don't advocate that. What I advocate, though, is finding out on the front end who you should be in covenant with. Getting married. But look, it's not like, you know, that. oh, that's it, I can't, no, no, look, if you shouldn't be in covenant with them, get out. Because you can never get riches, honor, and life if you were somebody that is unfaithful or unbeliever. That means they don't believe that you could have riches, honor, and life. And that, that includes people who are, quote, quote, born again. Because there's a lot of people who are born again that won't believe that you should have riches, honor, and life. Run! 
goodness. Okay, first John four. John talks a lot about this. John's the you know the the love disciple, right? He always called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved, right? Or the beloved disciple. That's how he referred to himself. It's kind of like Jimmy in his shoes, right? Always referred to himself in the third person. All right, so here we go. That was from Seinfeld. First John four. How does your mind work, Andrew? I don't know. <laughs> First John 4, chapter 4, says, You are of God, little children, and you have overcome them. Is that past tense? That's past tense, isn't it? You already have overcome them. Not someday you will overcome them. He said you already have overcome them. If you're a child of God, you've already overcome them. Because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. Now, I already, this is like you've already been given eternal life. Most Christians, they've already overcome, but they're not walking like it or acting like it or living like it. Right? Alright, so let's find out. Okay, now what he does is explains the back end of it. He tells you where you should be and what's already belongs to you. Then he tells you how to get there. Go to the next verse. They are of the world. Therefore, they speak of the world and the world hears them. Now listen. If they that are of the world speak of the world, wouldn't it be fair to say that if you speak of the world, you're of the world? If we just reverse it, right? So Now take inventory in your life. How much of the world are you speaking about? I'm not saying that we know, look, we live in the world, we've got to deal with it, but we need to dominate it. See, how much of the world are you saying, hey, this is, here's the world, this is what the world says, oh, gas prices are going up. You know, the economy's in the tank. Foreclosures are up. You know, China's got that big debt. Al-Qaeda's out there. See, that, right? Are we dominate? That's what the world says. What do we say? Well, i got covenant protection. You know, whatever happens, I'm going to be on the top spot. That when I walk in covenant, people could get poor like in the depression, but some people got rich, and I'm going to be the some people that got rich, not the bunch of people that got poor. Do you see the difference? This is walking in love. He said, we, in verse 6, are of God, and he that knows God hears us. So if you know God, right, you're going to hear when we say the truth, like riches, honor, and life belongs to you, you're going to actually hear it. If you don't hear it, look what he says, that he that is not of God doesn't hear us. If you, you reject that, you're not of God. Oh, man, doesn't that just cut down the body of Christ quite a bit? I'm just reading the Bible. This is what John said. I'm not saying it. I'm just reading it. And John's the very one that said, and you know, 2 John and 3 John were cover letters for this. 3 John was written to the pastor. 2 John was written to the church that he sent it to. And 1 John was the actual teaching that he sent. In 3 John, verse 2, he sent to the pastor, he said, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. The same guy during the same time writing the same letter who said this. So I know the truth is that God's highest wish for us, His highest thing, number one, above everything else, is that you prosper and be in health. If you reject that and you don't hear that, He says that you're not a God. Guess what? If they don't hear that, are you going to waste any agape on them? Not an ounce. Now that's kind of, wow, Andrew, that's kind of hard. I'm just reading the Bible. I only have so much agape. I can only pull off so much agape. I can only stop threats from happening to so many people. I can only, right, do that for so many people. Who are you going to do it for? The people that hear you and that are willing to go along with the truth. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. You want to know the difference between the spirit of truth and somebody's not spirit of truth, but she calls the spirit of error? Do they hear you when you tell them the truth? If they reject the truth, then they're of the spirit of what? Error. Don't wait. Don't cry over them. Don't waste any more time on them. 
comfort the feeble-minded, but we don't support them. Go to the next one. Beloved, let us love. Now, every time he says love, it's agape here. He's not talking about phileo. It's agape. Every time that he mentions love in this passage. Beloved, let us love agape one another. Who? One another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knows God. And he that loveth agape is not knoweth not God, for God is love. Oh, now he denied it. Look, if you don't walk in agape, he says you don't know God. He didn't say you weren't born again. He said you don't know Him. Santa's coming. I know Him! Right? He said, listen, if you're not walking in agape, you don't know God. And remember in 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God by knowing God. If you don't know... You remember agape, right? Not that mamby-pamby stuff. Endures bravely. We don't cut and run. We're useful, not nice. Right? We don't, we don't behave improperly. We're not easily stirred up. Right? We, we stop threats. We're not timid. We're confident. We refuse to give up. We don't take inventory of evil. Now you're knowing God. You're following that. Okay. Go to the next one. Verse 9. 1 John 4. It says, And this was manifest or laid naked for everybody to see the love, the agape of God towards us. Because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live or have zoe through Him. How, how do we get the zoe? Because of God's what? Agape. God's agape is what gives us the right to have zoe. Do you see that? Not anything that you did. It's because God made you his favorite. That's why you get Zoe. So don't, be act, don't fall for the lie that you don't deserve it or the behavior you did didn't measure up or you didn't do enough good stuff. That means zip nothing. You're God's favorite. That's why you get Zoe. And it's available to everybody that accepts Jesus. Herein is agape. In case you're wondering, I'm going to tell you what love is. Not that we loved God. Not that we, agape, not that we made God our favorite, but that He agaped us. That He made us his favorite. And He sent His Son to be the propitiation or the payment or to take all the consequences of our sins, our mistakes and our own purposes. And every time we missed the mark, every time we settled for less, Jesus paid the price for that. Why? Because God made us His favorite. I like that. We're His favorite. We're His favorite. See, some people think that God's this distant God and He's just up there, whatever, with the big bug smacker or He's moving parts around and the puppet master of the great eyes. No! Everything that He did is because you're His favorite. You! If you were the only one, you'd still be His favorite. He would have done everything for you. And He did do it for you. He tried to make it a really good Christmas. Get you everything that you wanted. Riches, honor, and life. Amen. Go to the next one. Beloved, if God so loved us, if He made us His favorite in such a big way that He gave His only Son, Jesus, then we ought to also, agape, make each other, one another, make each other our favorite. That means that I prefer you over me. That means that you're my favorite, every one of you. Now again, one another. Did I waste that? Can I, can I really? I only have so much time. I only have so much I'm, I'm in a finite body. There's not much I can do right now. So don't waste your agape on anybody that's outside. Chiefly, 
Galatians 6.10, the household of faith. This one. Then we branch out. After this one's taken care of, then you can go out to the next layer out. And you see that principle everywhere in the Bible. Jesus said, in Jerusalem first, then Judea, then Samaria, then the uttermost parts of the world. Chiefly the household of faith. And we saw it again last week. That Thessalonica, the church of Thessalonica, they, they, they took care of their self first, then all the churches in Macedonia, and then he said increase them more and more to the rest of the world. When you get this one locked on, then we'll spread it out to the next area. And then the next wave out, and then the next wave out. But until this one, you're agapying everybody in this one, don't get stressed out because you ain't agapying somebody that's outside this body. I'm trying to take the shackles off you because we've been bound up with a bunch of religious teaching. I'm just read the Bible. That it starts here. You ain't got to love everybody. I know that's what you've been taught, but you don't. You can't. Not yet. And as we grow, then it can grow next wave out, next wave out. As your resources increase, as you grow up more, as you have more power, walk in more power, then you can spread that out. That's your Zoe pushing out the airspace. Do you all remember that? That's what we're talking about right here. But if you, don't, you can't take care of ground zero, how are you going to spread it all the way out? Now think about this. If every local body is agaping the local body, guess what? The whole world's taken care of anyway. The, the, there's local bodies everywhere on this planet. You cannot go somewhere without finding a church of believers on this planet anywhere. Are you sure? Yeah. Paul said that every creature had already been preached the gospel back in his day in 50 AD. If it was taken care of then... I know it's taken care of now. You've got the internet, you've got satellite, you can't, but the gospel is available to everybody. He said, now no man, in verse 12, has seen God at any time. But if we, if we love one another, God dwells in us, and His love is perfected or matured in us. Did you see that? Okay, so look. How do I want His love to be matured or perfected in me is by loving you. That kind of cuts against the grain. Because you would think, now watch how God, you would think that I should love God first and then that His love would be perfected. Wouldn't you? I mean, wouldn't you think that if I wanted God's love and Him to dwell in me, that I should love God first? What did He say? He said, if you want God to dwell in you and His love to be perfected in you, you love one another first. Now this will blow your religious mind too. I thought God was first. God said, if you want to put me first, put each other first. Do you all see this? Worship me first. Show me love and adoration first. He said, but you love one another if you want your love perfected. That means I make you my favorite will automatically mature me and it will mature the love of God in me and that ensures that God dwells in me. It's by me, agape in you. Household of faith first. I ain't wasting it on anybody that's outside this body. It's available. Anybody can come to this body. Look, we ain't turning anybody away. But if you don't, want, you don't want to be in the circle and, and, and lock shields, I ain't wasting my agape on you. I don't have time for that. I don't have the resources for that. I don't have the energy for it. And the Bible doesn't tell me to do it. And because we've been taught that He does, that we waste our stuff on, on stuff that shouldn't ever... And, and people right in here, in our body, will go with needs unfulfilled because we waste it because we've been taught to just throw it out somewhere else. And definitely no traveling minister, TV minister will tell you that, because if that's true, then we shouldn't be doling out our cash to him. We should be doling it out to each other in here first. Then if there's anything left over. 
Go to the next one. Verse 13. Hereby know we that we dwell in Him. So this is how you know that you dwell in Him. And that He dwells in you because He's given you His Spirit. Now you know... See, remember this from the Contra series that your Spirit and the Holy Spirit bear witness with each other because He tells you that you're His child. Just like you know you're a child of God, He said, that's how you know I dwell in you because I gave you my Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Anybody testify to that? That the Father sent the Son to the world? Then He dwells in you according to this. Go to the next one. Whosoever shall confess or acknowledge is the Greek word. If you acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in Him and He in God. And we have known and believed the agape that God has to us. See, if you can't listen to this, this is how you know God dwells in you. That you've got to actually believe that God's made you His favorite. If you don't believe that, He don't dwell in you. Did you see that? This is why so many Christians are powerless because they don't actually believe that God made you His favorite. They believe God's up there with the bug smacker ready to whack him or why is God doing this to me or why is God... No, if you're His favorite and you believe that, you know He ain't beating you down. Right? So believe it. God is love. He is agape. And he that dwelleth in agape dwells in God and God in him. Go to the next one. And herein is our agape made perfect. You want to know what perfect love looks like? This is how you know you're mature, full-grown son. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Now, have boldness in the day of judgment. We've done this before a couple times, right? But I looked at that and I couldn't figure that out. Why do I need boldness in the day of judgment? And how does that coincide with as he is, so are we in this world? Because if you think of the day of judgment, that's like not here in this world, is it? That's like sometime in the future, the great white throne judgment. That's not what it's talking about. It can't be because he's talking about that we're the same as Jesus in this world. So I looked at it, and that Greek word says judgment. It actually says trial. So I'm like, okay, so in the day of trial, I'd have boldness, right? But you know what? I'm still like trial, tribunal, kind of iffy, because if I'm not in court, why do I need boldness? So then I looked at the actual Greek word. Now I'm going to spell it for you. I'll get your pen out and write this down because I'm going to spell you what the word judgment is in the Greek. K-R-I-S-I-S. What is it? In the day of crisis, here's how you know that you're a agape, you're a full-grown son and your love is made perfect. That in the day of crisis, when it hits the fan, that you have boldness because you know that you're the exact same that Jesus is right now. Impossible for you to fail. This is how you know you're walking in love. That when it hits the fan, I'm bold. I'm looking for a fight and I'll walk right in the middle of the fire because the same that Jesus is, I am right now in this world, according to this verse. Can't wait for it to hit the fan because I'm a solution looking for a problem. Now you know your love's, you're, you're walking in love. Now look at verse 18. He said, there is no what? Fear in agape. There's no room. Look, while you're doing all that stuff in agape, you're enduring bravely and you know, you're bearing up and stopping threats and you're, you won't give up and you're confident and you're not timid and you're being useful. Right, not nice, but being useful and you're not easily stirred up. There ain't no room for fear in there. You've got too much stuff going on for fear to be in there. You ain't got time for it. He said, but perfect love casts out fear. Because when you're walking like that, like I said, you ain't got time for fear. It's an automatic byproduct. Fear's got to run when you're doing all that other stuff. Because fear has torment, doesn't it? It'll stop you in your tracks. Deer in the headlight. I mean, that's torment where you can't move. You're paralyzed. So he that fears is not made perfect in love. Look, if you've got fear, then you know. Then just red flag go off. I'm not walking in love. 
Because when I'm walking in love, I ain't got time to fear. When I'm walking in love, I'm going from the position of I'm the head and not the tail. If you're in fear, you believe you're the tail. Stop. Wait a minute. God is love. Right? And He loved me. I'm His favorite. And He said, my faith will work if I'm in love and agape. And so, I can't be timid or fearful and be an agape. So if you're afraid of anything, you ain't in love. So, go back and look at... Look at the definition of it. Look in 1 Corinthians. Hopefully you wrote it down. If not, this will be up on the website. I've given the definition to you before. And look at what the definition of agape means. That I endure bravely. I don't cut and run. I don't buckle. I'm not cowardly. I'm not the cowardly line. You, you, you all right? This is walking in love. And you ain't got time to fear and forget fear. And I don't care what the pressure is. Because when, when you look at the love thing, that all the stuff that goes into being an agape, you ain't got time to fear. You won't be fearing it all anyway. Because really, you'll be stirring your own heart up. Is really what it is. When you look at what, what you've got to do to be walking in love, you'll stir your heart up. Be, the righteous are bold as a lion. And the wicked flee when no one is chasing them. They'll run away just because you stand there and roar. This is walking in love. Now, go to the next one. This is the end of the, the, the Zoe series, right? Go back and re- I want you to remember from the beginning... Do you remember the four kinds of wisdom? Earthly wisdom, sensual wisdom, devilish wisdom, and wisdom from above. How do we make decisions? All that goes in. Remember, and it all led up to the nine things. Keep yourself in remembrance of these things. Because this is what keeps you in Zoe, the life that Jesus had being made manifest right now in your body. And we saw in James that your Zoe is like a vapor. It will vanish on you in a heartbeat if you're not staying up with these nine things. It's like a vapor. It's here one second, gone the next. If you don't stay up with it. Don't waste this great and precious gift that's been given to us to walk as an equal partner of the Godhead right here on the planet. Now look, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 4. I want to finish out with this because it says this. For we that are in this tabernacle or this body do groan. You ever groan while you're in your body? Like, man, oh, Shevich, you've got to be kidding me, right? He said, but being burdened, not that we would be unclothed. I'm not looking to shed my flesh. I'm not looking to just die and get to the sweet by and by. What are you looking to do? I'm looking to get my flesh to line up with what the Word says. He said, but I would be clothed upon that mortality, that's my flesh, the part of me that would die, might be swallowed up of Zoe, the life of God. This is what I'm looking for, is that that Zoe would push out through my mind, will, and emotions and through my body that that would just swallow up my mortality. I don't have to die. You don't have to die. We don't physically have to die. Elijah didn't die. Enoch didn't die. And I could argue with you whether Moses did or not. Because I know that Moses was on the mountain of transfiguration with Elijah, and if he had been in Abraham's bosom in hell where everybody else who had died, he couldn't have been on that mount. Because they came down from heaven. Everybody in the rapture is not going to die. It's available to us according to this. I'm not planning on dying. So that's one funeral you don't have to go to. But it's up to you. Because it says it might be swallowed up by Zoe. And it also might not be. If you, don't choose, if you choose not to believe, Jesus said time and time again, according to your faith, be it unto you. If you don't believe it, that's okay. We'll go to your funeral. It's alright. There's no shame in it. You'll still go to heaven. You'll just go there without your mortality. Without your body. You'll get it in the resurrection. Don't worry. I'm planning on doing the same thing that Elijah did, that Enoch did. 
that Moses did. You know, those guys, they didn't have Zoe life of God. They were a two-part being, and God grandfathered them in because they were so good at doing what they were doing, pleasing Him. I'm getting on that fiery chariot. If, we, if i got to get out of here, don't be looking for my body. It ain't going to be here. If I go missing, be like, ah, I know what happened. All right? Stand to your feet with me. Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your Word. Seal it in our hearts. Father, I thank You for this great gift of perpetual, instantly and constantly renewed life. The same life that You have, the same life that Jesus has, the same life that the Holy Ghost has. That You put it on the inside of us. I thank You for it. Father, help us not to waste. Holy Spirit, come alongside of us. Continually help us to be in remembrance of these nine things. Help us everywhere we turn we're seeing reminders of the nine things. If we're watching TV, we're talking, we hear reminders of the nine things. If we're listening to the radio, nine things. If we're at work, nine things. If we're at the grocery store, the nine things. Uh, thank you, Holy Spirit, for putting it in the front of our mind and making us see it and helping us to attach ourselves to it and keep pushing that wheel around till we have the life that Jesus had in our body. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.